You're listening to the King of the Fourth podcast, offering in-depth analysis on all things Boston Celtics with your hosts, Jim and Mike Quigley. All right, welcome to another episode of King of the Fourth Quarter podcast. Today we have a special guest, um, Tom Westerholm, formerly of Mass Live. He was a beat reporter for the Celtics over there and now is a, a sports reporter with a Celtics focus still with Boston.com. Tom, how are you doing? I'm good. Thank you guys for having me. Thrilled that you could be here. Um, you know, we're, we're obviously not a big time podcast at all. <laughs> you know, we're not sure. We can't guarantee a lot of listeners for you, but hopefully um, we can uh, we can make this fun. Uh, the, fr- the thing I'd just love to get into, you know, this year, you know, first, yeah, before we even get into anything, I, I'm, you know, tonight's a big night for everybody. Tonight is the last night that we will go to bed as Donald Trump as our president. So, you know, it's really special night on this Tuesday night. And, and it kind of segues into the first thing I want to talk about. You know, obviously, it's been a, a crazy year, not just in the NBA, but for everybody. Um, you have COVID-19, you had a lot of social justice issues come to the forefront, and it, it's really affected the way, you know, how we, all of us live our lives and can, and also what's going on in the NBA. So just how, how what's it been like to cover the Celtics throughout all this? And um, how do you think the NBA has kind of handled it on the whole? Yeah. So, I mean, it's like, it, it's definitely been interesting to cover. I mean, you know, it's, it's one of those things where as a beat writer, you know, you, you just got to kind of let things happen. Like you, like, so for example, when the, when the Celtics were in the bubble and, you know, a lot of times guys would come out, you know, they would, we would, we would do these zoom meetings where you, you interview people and um, you know, one, it's an awkward setup anyway. Um, you know, the NBA has done the best they can with it, but it, it is an awkward setup, but uh, you know, like you'll have guys come out and, and, you know, I remember Marcus smart, um, you know, I don't remember exactly what his phrasing was, but he came out one time and said, I'm only going to answer this to all of your questions. And I think it was uh, justice for Brianna Taylor. Yeah, that's, you know? I remember um, that, right? yep. yeah. And it was, you know, it's one of those things where, um, you know, you have a bunch of questions for Marcus smart, you have a bunch of questions for the Celtics, but you know, if that's, you know, if, if that's what guys want to come out and say, I mean, you know, you, you respect it deeply, obviously, mm-hmm. like, you know, that they're, they're coming out and they're using their time to try to, uh, you know, to, to try to talk about something really important. Um, so it was, you know, it, it made for some maybe repetitive stories, uh, you know, during that stretch, because it was like, you know, like we can only really kind of write about the stuff that's happening on the court and the stuff that's said afterward. Cause we're, you know, we're not getting like one-on-ones with anybody. Right. And, uh, with, uh, and, and with Marcus, you know, when he, when he comes out and says that stuff, it's like, all right, so let's all, you know, let's find a way to write about, uh, you know, justice for Breonna Taylor. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, it was, it, it's definitely been, I think one of the, like it's definitely been like a challenging time to, to find things to write about, you know, like within the, within the NBA. Um, but I mean, you know, like, you know, like I said, like, and you know, these guys, a lot of these guys have something they want to say, you know, Marcus, like Jalen Brown, obviously has, has had a lot of really worthwhile stuff that he's talked about as well. So um, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's certainly a challenge to cover, but it's, it's definitely been a fascinating time. And you must get most of your, in, in a regular setting, it's, it's your one-on-ones during practice, catching a guy off to the side where you kind of get, you want to, you talk, want to talk about a specific issue, you know, the improve play, whatever it might be. And you, that's kind of a lost opportunity for you guys now, right? It is, man. I mean, like, and, and some of the stories that I've always really enjoyed writing are stuff like, um, you know, like last year I wrote about uh, how Romeo Langford didn't have his driver's license and he needed everybody to let <laughs> part of him around, you know, it was like stuff like that. It's just like kind of funny. And you, you know, you get that story by, 
being in the locker room and seeing that Romeo is just kind of hanging out for like an hour <laughs> after every game for absolutely no reason. And then you learn that, oh, it's because he's waiting for Carson to drive him somewhere. He's so uh, young. Yeah. You know, oh, like, my God. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, those are funny things. But, like, all of those are gone. All of those are out the window. Now it is just – it really has for the last year. It's just been, like, strictly hoops and whatever people say afterward. And, and that's and that's fine. You know, you can you can certainly find things to write about. But it does it does take down some of those kind of human interest stories that are – that are really fun to write about and really fun to kind of get behind the scenes and learn something about some of these guys. And how much time would you usually spend in, in, in the practice gym? I mean, how much of, I mean, all you get to just see what we see now, essentially, yeah. you know, when we talk about Neesmith, it's, you know, it's what we're seeing on the court and we're not seeing any development of what they're doing with him at practice. How much of that previously would you be privy to? So we don't get to watch practices. Practices are closed. Um, but then about, I, I think it's like you're allowed like 15 minutes of, of practice time that you're, you know, like um, it's like written into the whatever contract the NBA has. Okay. Uh, so, um, so you get like 15 minutes. What that basically means is that you get to come in at the end of practice and watch guys shoot around. Like they're not going to like run through their sets or anything like that while you're watching. Like that stuff's all, you know, behind closed doors. Um, but, you know, at the end, yeah, I mean, like, you know, we used to get to watch Kyrie play Jason Tatum one-on-one for 15 minutes after every uh, practice, which is pretty cool. You know, you get to like yeah, right. um, capture, uh, you know, uh, Tatum and Jalen and Smart doing like, you know, three-point shooting drills and like that kind of stuff, It's which is cool, um, you know, to, to, to kind of witness that stuff. And, and you know, you definitely miss it. Um, obviously, you, you understand why you're missing it, and that's fine, but uh, you, do, you do miss that aspect of it for sure. Yeah, so Tom, just – Talking about the Celtics, and they really, in some people's eyes, overcome expectations to start the season. They started off eight and three. Now they're unfortunately eight and four after the weekend's effort. Um, <laughs> yeah, effort. But with, with, as a, like, yeah. <laughs> effort. Very with the word effort. <laughs> with, with, Ken, they Kemba back, <laughs> with, with Kemba back and working back to you know minutes will increase over time, and with the way Brown's been playing, I think. If you're not closely connected to the team, I don't think a lot of people saw him developing this quickly this year as the offensive presence that he is. How does Kemba's role on the team affect Brown going forward? I mean, it's something that I wondered about. You know, I, I'm curious to see how it ends up shaking. I mean, Kemba said all 100% the right things. You know, just, uh, you know, this is, I mean, Kemba's been pretty clear about that, I think, since the bubble. Like, this is this is Tatum's team. This is Jalen's team. This is them. You know, I'm here to try to help make them better. But, I mean, I thought, you know, Brad Stevens today, he said something kind of interesting. He was just like, look, like, but we also need Kemba to be, like, a high-usage guy. Like, they, you know, he was, the Celtics need all three of those guys to be good, to be what they want to be, you know, like, I mean, you look at the Lakers and it's like, okay, they can get away with having two superstars and just kind of role players because their two superstars are LeBron James and Anthony right. Davis. Like that's just right. like a level, like, yeah. And you know, it's, it's, it's possible that, you know, Tatum and Brown can, can get to a level similar to that certainly, but you know, they're not, they're not Anthony Davis and LeBron James yet. So <laughs> they actually really do need that third star. They need Kemba to be Kemba. And, uh, you know, I just thought that was an interesting point by Brad. You know, I think there's a lot has been made, um, you know, I'm sure partly due to us beat writers, you know, tweeting out stuff like, uh, you know, I wonder how this is going to work. But, you know, Brad's exactly right, too. Like, they also need Kemba to be a star. And, you know, he's, he's not far removed from that. It's all going to kind of come down to health. But, yeah, that's that's certainly a necessary aspect of this as well. It, it'll be really interesting to see how that shakes out. So just as a follow up to that, what do you what do you think then is more important? Just is it the growth 
because I'm not sure I see them as a championship team this year. I think they could be a really good team. Uh, you know, the East is stacked. I guess a sailing could be that, but I wouldn't put money on it. So is it more important to get the most out of the team this year, or is it more important the continued growth of Jalen Brown and him getting those opportunities consistently? So, you know, two, three years down the line, Tatum and Brown are those that duo that can lead you to a championship. Well, I think the Celtics hope is that they don't have to choose, right? I know that's kind of an answer, um, but like, you know, I think that that's, that's the goal is to, is to make sure. And I mean, I think one of the things they're doing um, to kind of make sure that this all works out is they're giving Jalen the ball in different places. You know, he's not getting the ball just in the corners anymore. You know, he's getting the ball above the break, you know, at the top of the key and operating from there out of the pick and roll. And that's, I think that's been a huge reason why, you know, you've seen such a jump from him. I mean, to like, to answer the question, I think it's more important that they have that Jalen Brown develops into an all-star. I mean, you're, you're talking about two guys who are, you know, 22, 24 and uh, you know, they're like just kind of coming into their, they're, I mean, they're not even coming into their own yet. You know, they're, they're really young still. So, I mean, like d- continued development for Jalen is crucial for like the next decade, you know, or right. at the very least like the next half decade. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, Kemba kind of integrating himself is really important for this year. Right. But in an ideal world, you know, I, I think I agree with you. I don't see this team as a championship team now, but if Kemba is great and if Jalen and, you know, and Tatum like take the type of steps that it seems like they're very capable of taking, I mean, maybe that changes by the end of the year. Like, I don't think that's impossible. So I think that's, that's what I think the Celtics are really angling for is, is kind of this, um, you know, they've been trying for years now to thread the needle between building for the next decade and winning right now. Right. And I think in a weird way, everything yep. kind of falling apart the way it did has set them up to do that, you know, as we're speaking right now. So, um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a really interesting point. And I, I, you know, we don't have to get into this too much, but I, I wonder if, you know, depending on how things go this year, if the Celtics actually have a decision to make with Kemba Walker, if he's, even if he's healthy, if they want to actually think about moving on from him in the off season, and not get into a situation a year from now like you had with Gordon Haywood, where he walks. I, I, I guess not for nothing. You get a, this TP that, who knows? But you know, if especially if we're looking at how long we can extend the window for Tatum and Brown, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, and, and I think the other thing to consider too is just like if, if Kemba leaves, though, um, you know, you do have all that extra space. You do. Uh, I haven't done the math. That's the difference with him and Haywood. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't done the math, so I don't know for sure that it works out to like them having a max slot, but they would have some space for sure. You would get you, yeah, enough to get a really good player. Yeah. And they could have a max spot because it's easier to move smaller contracts to, to right. build that max yeah. spot. And speaking of smaller contracts, I think I'm presently surprised anyway by some of the bench players this year. Uh, if you listen to our podcast at all, prior to the season, I just ripped on this bench, I ripped on Danny. I was like, every idiot on 98.5 the sports hub just talking trash about the Celtics but Semi Pritchard and really both Williams have they've had promising starts to the season do you believe that's sustainable and do you the second part of this is how important is it that Danny use a TPE this year to help the rotation how invested are you in that yeah I mean I think I think some of it is sustainable certainly I mean I I it has been bizarre to watch Shemi Ojale miss threes in game. Uh, you know, we talked about like the 15 minutes that we get to watch that dude is automatic. Like he's such a good shooter. I don't know what's happening. Uh, so like this year it's actually, it's like, okay, this, this makes more sense. Like this is kind of the guy that you would, 
expect to see. Um, so, I mean, I, I think, I think he's sustainable for sure. I mean, I think, I think Pritchard is real. Uh, I don't mm-hmm. think that's like a fluke. I think he's a good player. Um, you know, and I think, and I honestly think, I think Rob's going to be a good player. Um, you know, I, I had my doubts honestly before this season, uh, I have a lot of doubts, yeah. um, but I think he's going to be good. Um, so I think there's, there's stuff to work with on the bench for sure. I, to answer the second part of your question, I do think that it is pretty imperative that they go use this traded player exception. And I think they're going to, um, you know, okay. that, like they didn't, they, they traded two second round picks to get it. And that, you know, that kind of indicates that they have plans to, to try to get somebody. So, um, you know, who that ends up being, I'm not sure. I mean, I think you could, you know, you can look around the league. There's, there's plenty of, you know, there's plenty of struggling teams that probably wouldn't be opposed to offloading some money. Um, I keep throwing around Harrison Barnes. I think guys like that make a lot of sense where it's just somebody on the wing who, um, you know, isn't a superstar. You're not going to get a superstar with that money, especially because they're hard. Yeah. But if you can go out and get somebody who can be like a reliable wing presence, I mean, they, they, it's weird they to talk it. about with this team, but they are not very deep at the wing. And, uh, yeah. Yep. yeah. And I, yeah I, they, I, it's especially on the defensive end too. Right. Because I yeah. feel like Javante Green's done a decent job defensively and he's athletic enough to make plays, but, and Semi stays in front of guys, but he makes zero plays. He doesn't make plays. <laughs> so he, 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 <laughs> I don't think he has a block or a steal this season. Um, I don't know that for sure, but it, it's, it feels that way. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think a Harrison Bonds or a wing guy. I, I also wonder if an interior guy might make sense. And I, I don't even know what would be out there. But if Tice is on his way out next year, and I hate to continue to look past this season, but Tristan Thompson, you, maybe you get something next year. All you you're looking at maybe just Rob Williams for depth, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a fair point. I mean, I, I think uh, my guess is that they would target a wing. Um, you know, I think the, the other thing to remember too, is if, even if you lose Tice next season, Grant Williams, best position is small ball center. Um, yeah, he, right. not, he has struggled a little bit. I, I think um, at the four, by the way, I did just look it up and you, you were hundred percent right. Shemmy Ojeleta has not recorded a block or a steal this season. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I didn't know that for sure. I, I, I wonder if another guy in the league is. is in that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. If anybody else, he's played exactly 200 minutes. So at some point uh, you should, you should look that up. See if there's anybody else, 200 minutes or more who has not recorded a block or a steal. That's I mean, a ball should just land to you. At the, but you he's, know, played, he's played well. It's just, he is, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, so I, like, I think, I think there is something there too. Like if you look at those three bigs, right? Like Tristan yeah. Thompson gives you something that Rob doesn't give you. Rob mm-hmm. gives you something that Tristan Thompson doesn't give you. And Grant gives you something that neither of those guys gives you. Um, so I, I, I think that wing is probably where they're going to look with the TPE. Um, I think there's enough, like not bargain bin because, you know, yeah. it, it adds up to about 20 million when you consider the fact that they're hard capped, but 20 million, having 20 million to spend on somebody this season can get you something. So oh, yeah, yeah. And if they can afford Harrison Barnes, you're getting a guy who can create on his own. He's been on a championship team. Sure. Um, his years in Dallas, but I, I think you're, you're getting a reliable scorer off the bench. Um, and he has and, multiple and, years, and, which I think is key. Yeah. And with this being a shortened season, if there's any hiccups where Tatum's, you know, foot hurts or whatever, you got a guy that you can plug in and, and really trust to put up 20 points. I, I've heard Harrison Barnes' name, and I always thought it would be impossible, but if that's a possibility. That would be huge for the Celtics. Well, I think the thing to consider, and this kills me because I'm a draft guy, but uh, I think the thing to consider is that the 2021 draft is super, super loaded, and the Celtics own their pick. So, you know, I think, I think, it's, I think it's fair to say that at 25, you're probably getting somebody really intriguing if the Celtics are around that 25 range. And, uh, like – 
you offer somebody a first round pick, you know, protect it for the, you know, the top five, just in case something goes, you know, catastrophically wrong. I think you can, I think, I think you can start talking about, you know, guys who other teams might just want to offload, but who are really talented. Um, so it's, uh, it's worth considering. That's exciting. You know, what's, what's interesting. How many deals have the Kings made over the last few years? They seem to have been in this boat for a while and it doesn't seem like they've made, any moves to pick up additional picks? If anything, they lost a pick to the Celtics a few years ago. That's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, to the Sixers first. Then yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah no, I mean, I mean, like, it's a you know, it's a strong point. You don't ever want to accuse the Kings of uh, being competently run because that has just not been the case for quite some time. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, even even beyond the Kings, I mean, I know uh, my pal John Corrales has been pushing Aaron Gordon. I mean, there's there's, there's a lot of guys that that you know. That I think would would kind of cover a lot of bases for the Celtics out there. What do you what do you foresee? You know, assuming the Celtics do bring in uh, uh, a rotation player, a decent rotation player, not an all star. Um, obviously, the Nets took a huge step. Um, they have the question mark with whatever's going on with Kyrie. I kind of think the best move for them is just to trade him at this point and see, and see if you can maybe swing a three way and bring. Kyle, a guy like hey, Kyle what he Lowry did, though, was really cool buying that house for George Floyd. I think it's kind of yeah, oh, there. for sure, yeah, for sure. Um, but we know what he can become like, on the court. Well, <laughs> on the court, he's fabulous. It's it's all the it's all the other stuff. But where do you? How far do you think? What's the sailing for the Celtics team? And what do you think realistically? Do you do you see them kind of slotting in? So, I mean, I, I kind of see them in a similar boat as they were last year. And it's funny because last year they, you know, they probably should have been a lot closer to making the finals than they were. Like, that, I mean, I we'll see what happens with this Miami team. I, I thought they were pretty beatable last year. I mean, I, I love Bam out of bio. He's a, Bam is a great player and, and he punished the Celtics. But um, I, I do think that there's I think there's a similar window for them where last year they were close to the finals because things broke right. Um, I think this year, again, like if things, you know, and, and it doesn't have to be like, you know, like Giannis decides not to play in the playoffs or something like that. I don't think that I mean, that's not what I mean by breaking. Right. I just mean like, you know, you get the right, you know, the right path to the finals, you know, maybe, a, maybe an upset here or there. I don't think that's impossible. And I mean, you know, like, would I bet on it? No, I, I like, I don't, I don't think that this team is a final team, but I don't think it's impossible that they get there. And um, you know, and, and I mean, like, you got two young stars like Jalen and Jason are genuine stars at this point. And, you know, I, I think when you, when you look at this Celtics team, like they've done the hard part, you know, it's like you, if you have really talented wings, it's a lot easier to team build because I mean, there's a million talented point guards out there. Um, we've seen them piece together their big rotation, just kind of off draft picks and, you know, mid-level exceptions and then, you know, <laughs> guys from Germany, yeah. like it's, yeah. it, like, they've done the hard part. And, uh, you know, that's, I think for any Celtics fan, that's gotta be super encouraging going forward is like, these guys are only getting better. I mean, Jalen and Jason, I was never sure if they liked each other. And then this season, it re- I mean, it's, I think they do. I think they really respect each other. Um, and just how hard the other person works. I got to follow up on that. Why weren't you sure? Is it just a, a feeling where you're watching something or. Yeah, it was nothing that I like saw or anything like that. It was just kind of like, you know, it's, it's too, um, you know, really talented, really ambitious guys who right. play like the same position, you know, like it's just, uh, you know, you're never sure how that dynamic is going to work. And right. I think what has happened is Tatum is an obsessive worker and Jalen is an obsessive worker and the two of them <laughs> together, um, you know, like respect each other. And, uh, you know, I think they really respect like 
Um, I, I think they push each other in ways that I, I think that they both recognize and appreciate um, exactly what's happening, which, I mean, speaks really highly of their maturity, um, that that's the case cool. at 22 yeah. and 24. Sometimes I think their maturity is their strongest asset. Yeah. I really do. Um, the work, especially Jalen, the work off that he does off the court is even more important than his basketball career. Yeah. But Tom, I want to thank you. So I know you, you have another um, obligation to get to. And I didn't know if there was anything you wanted to say before you got off the call, but I just want to say thanks for coming on to our show. We really appreciate your insight tonight. Yeah, of yeah. course, man. Thanks for Yeah. Thank you guys for having me. Um, feel free to, uh, uh, you know, feel free to check out my podcast, the uh, Juno Sign Podcast, and uh, I write for Boston.com. So, uh, yeah, I listen. Uh, I listened to the um, the crossover episode last night with John Corrales, you and Nicole Yang. It was very good. I appreciate that, man. Uh, you guys have uh, you guys have opinions on the uh, the French Bulldog lamp? Oh well, I I, I listened to it. I, I didn't actually. Uh, oh, okay, okay. I, so I, I I wasn't able to observe. I don't know if you guys are on YouTube or not, but I. You, you want to DM me a photo? I will. Uh, I'll shoot you. I'll, I'll, wait, I'll shoot you guys a message, and we'll. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get it worked out, and you guys can uh, tell Nicole yes or no on the French bulldog. Absolutely, one. <laughs> and you have the same one, right? Your son has the same my son one? has the same one. Yeah, that's that's oh. the big controversy circling Geno time today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, it doesn't split you guys up. Um, if so, you got a home here. <laughs> I, know, I appreciate that. Thank you, guys. <laughs> no problem. Very special thank you to Tom Westerholm of Boston.com for joining us on the podcast tonight. You can check him out and Nicole Yang on Geno Time on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening to King of the Fourth Quarter Pod. Until the next time, me and Mikey are signing off.